Section 2 of Kentucky's Famous Feuds and Tragedies by Charles G. Munzenberg. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Kentucky's Famous Feuds and Tragedies by Charles G. Munzenberg. Section 2 The Great Hatfield McCoy Feud, Part 1. Perhaps no section in the whole United States has ever been the scene of more crime and long-continued defiance of the law than that contiguous to the Tug Fork, one of the tributaries of the Big Sandy River, and which forms the boundary line between West Virginia and Kentucky, separating Logan County, West Virginia, from Pike County, Kentucky. Many feuds have been fought there, but none equaled in ferocity the bloody Hatfield-McCoy War, during which crimes of the most revolting nature were perpetrated. Indeed, it will be difficult for the reader to believe that the devilish deeds related in this chapter are actually true, and did occur in the midst of a civilized country, peopled with Christian men and women, and governed by wholesome laws. Yes, citizens of a common country fought a struggle to the bitter death without hindrance, if not with the actual connivance of those entrusted with the enforcement of law and the maintenance of order, who looked idly upon bloodshed. The flag of anarchy, once unfurled, fluttered unmolested for years. Had the feud broken out suddenly and been quickly suppressed, we should abstain from strictures upon high officials entrusted with the administration and execution of the law. But this American vendetta covered a long period, abating somewhat at times, only to break out anew with increased ferocity. Utter disregard for human life, ruthless, savage cruelty, distinguish this feud from all others and easily give it the front rank. To add to the horror of it all came the bitter controversy between the governors of West Virginia and Kentucky, nearly precipitating civil war between the two states, and effectively paralyzing all attempts at concerted action looking toward the capture, trial, and punishment of the outlaws, at least for a long time. That the feud is ended now is due largely to the fact that the material upon which it had been feeding for so many years became exhausted through the pistol, rifle, or the knife. But few died of disease, only one was hanged, perhaps the least guilty of them all, for he was a moral degenerate of such little intelligence that under other circumstances he might have escaped the gallows on the ground of mental irresponsibility. The leading spirits of the war were never punished, but rounded out their lives at home unmolested. The region along the Tug Fork is mountainous, and has not until recently come in touch with the outside world. Its inhabitants for many years knew nothing of schools or churches. Ignorance prevailed to a truly astonishing degree. Courts exercised no authority. Their decrees were laughed at and ridiculed. If a man thought himself aggrieved, he sought redress as best suited him. The natives tried cases in their own minds and acted as executioners, using the rifle or the knife. When trials, in rare instances, were resorted to, 
they more than often fanned the flame of hatred than smothered it. The contending factions in this internecine strife lived on opposite sides of the Tug Fork, a narrow stream. Randall McCoy, the leader or head of the McCoy faction, resided on the Blackberry branch of Pond Creek in Pine County, Kentucky. Near him, but on the opposite side of Tug Fork, in West Virginia, lived Anderson Hatfield, who had adopted for himself the nom de guerre of Bad Ants, or Devil Ants, the controlling spirit of the Hatfield clan. Both families were large, extensively related throughout the two counties, and composing the greater portion of their population. The McCoys and Hatfields frequently intermarried, and thus it happens that we find McCoys arrayed on the side of the Hatfields, and Hatfields friendly to the Randall-McCoy faction. While the feud proper did not break out until 1882, it is necessary to go back further, for the enmity between the Hatfields and McCoys dates back to the Civil War, during which the former maintained an organized company of raiders, ostensibly for the purpose of protecting property against invading marauders of either army. The McCoys supported a similar force on the Kentucky side. These bands frequently encroached upon and entered each other's territory, resulting in clashes and bad blood, though both factions adhered to the same political party. After the war, the older heads tried to maintain a show of friendship in their intercourse, but the younger generations allowed their passions a free hand. Difficulties grew in frequency. Still, no lives were lost. A few razor-backed, long-legged, sharp-nosed porkers are the indispensable adjunct of well-regulated mountaineer families. In those days, the farmer marked his hogs, and turned them loose in the woods. They soon fattened on the abundant mast and were, late in the fall, driven home to be killed. If one of those marked hogs happened to turn up in the possession of another, woe unto him. Vengeance was visited upon him swiftly, though not as severe as in the case of rustlers in the West. A circuit judge of Kentucky once remarked, very appropriately, that a hog seemed of more value in his district than a human life. There was truth in this bit of sarcasm. More men have been acquitted of murder in Kentucky than of hog-stealing. It seems ridiculous that a few of the unseemly brutes should have become the innocent promoters of a feud, but it is true. Innocent or not, the facts are against them. Sometime during the seventies, one Floyd Hatfield, afterwards known as Hog Floyd, drove a number of hogs from the forests and confined them in a pen at Stringtown. A few days later, Randolph McCoy of Kentucky passed the pen in question, and upon examination of the animals, claimed them as his property and demanded their delivery to him, which Hog Floyd refused to do. McCoy brought an action for their recovery. The trial was held at Raccoon Hollow, a little village some miles down the valley. Deacon Hatfield, Floyd's relative, presided. 
the McCoys and Hatfields attended the trial in force. Every man was armed. During the short trial, many things occurred that convinced those acquainted with the characters of the men composing the factions that bloody hostilities must result. Randolph McCoy made an impassioned speech to the jury, openly charging several Hatfield witnesses with perjury. Among those so accused was one Staten, who, incensed by the charge, attempted to strike his traducer, but was prevented by Randolph McCoy's son. McCoy lost his case. The Hatfields exulted, jeered, and sneered. The McCoys returned home grumbling and threatening. Fists and rocks now gave place to the rifle, and repeated long-range shooting matches occurred between the factions. When meeting in the forests, they treed and fought for hours with their old-fashioned muzzle-loaders and cap and ball pistols without any appreciable result. In 1880 occurred the first battle in which blood was drawn. It happened about a mile below the Hatfield Tunnel between Bill Staten, Paris, and Sam McCoy. They had met by accident. Staten rightly guessed that the boys would show him no mercy after the many injuries and insults they had received at his hands. Instantly he leaped behind a bush, broke off the top of it, rested his gun in the fork of two limbs, took careful aim, and fired. Paris McCoy fell heavily to the ground. Although severely wounded in the hip, he managed to regain his feet and shot Staten in the breast. The two then came together in a fierce hand-to-hand -hand combat. Having thrown down their empty and useless rifles, they fought with their hands and teeth, ferocious as wild animals. Paris's cheek was frightfully bitten and lacerated. Weakened from loss of blood and suffering excruciating pain from his wounds, he was about to succumb to the superior strength of his powerful adversary when Sam McCoy, armed with a pistol, came to his rescue. He had been afraid to fire while the men were locked in their deadly embrace. Now came the opportunity, and he sent a ball crashing through the brain of Staten, who fell back and instantly expired. The body was found some days later. Suspicion at once pointed to the two McCoy brothers. Paris promptly surrendered himself to the authorities and was given an examining trial before Magistrate Valentine or Val Hatfield, who released him from custody. Sam McCoy fled to the hills, but after eluding the officers for a month or more, was captured by Elias Hatfield, indicted by the grand jury of his county, tried, and acquitted. In the summer of 1882, it happened that a relative and friend of both factions ran for office in Pike County. The clan met on Election Day, August 7th, to work for their man. It was the custom then, as well as now, although the law has placed serious restrictions upon the practice, to supply voters with copious quantities of whiskey. A candidate who failed to do his duty in this respect 
was certain to lose many votes, if not the chance of election. On the occasion in question, moonshine liquor was plentiful. Both the Hatfields and McCoys and their adherents imbibed freely and during the day grew boisterous and belligerent. The immediate occasion for beginning a fight was furnished when Tolbert McCoy approached Elias Hatfield, commonly known as Bad Lias, and demanded payment of an old debt. A quarrel ensued, and the fight was on. Bad Lias got the worst of it. The fight had attracted the attention of the friends and kindred of both men. Officers attempted to separate them without avail. Then Big Ellison Hatfield took a hand. Enraged and on fire with copious drinks of whiskey, he challenged the victorious Tolbert McCoy to fight a man of his size. Hatfield was a powerful man. Straight as an arrow, he stood six feet six in his stocking feet and weighed considerably over two hundred pounds. The fight now went against McCoy from the start. He resorted to his knife and during the struggle stabbed Hatfield repeatedly and with frightful effect. Again and again he plunged the cold steel into the body of his adversary. Though horribly slashed and losing much blood, Hatfield yet retained strength. With a final effort he threw McCoy upon the ground, sat upon him, seized a large jagged stone raised it on high to strike the fatal blow, when Famer McCoy, who had been patiently waiting for the opportunity, fatally shot Hatfield with a pistol. It was also charged by the Hatfields that Randolph McCoy, Jr., a youth of fifteen, had stabbed Hatfield once or twice. As soon as Famer McCoy saw the effect of his shot, he dropped the weapon and sought safety in flight. He was pursued by Constable Floyd Hatfield and captured. Tolbert and young Randolph were also immediately arrested. The wounded Hatfield was removed to the house of one of his kinsmen. The prisoners remained on the election ground under heavy guard for some two hours. Then they were taken to the house of John's Hatfield for the night. Tolbert Hatfield and Joseph Hatfield, two justices of the peace of Pike County, Kentucky, Matthew, Floyd, and other Hatfields had charge of the prisoners. The father of the three, old Randolph McCoy, remained with them through the night. End of Section 2